Come on, church. Give him praise. Come on. He's a God who raises the dead. He's a God who heals marriages. He's a God who moves in power. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah to the Lord God we worship. Holy. Spirit of God, we ask you to flood this house. Receive our praise. You said you inhabit the praises of your people, and you deserve us lavish, extravagant, extraordinary praise. And so, God, we give it to you. And, Lord, whether we are happy or sad or mad or glad, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in this weekend, we celebrate you. We love you. We worship you. We honor you. God, because no matter how we feel, you are worthy this weekend of excessive worship. And so we bow our knee, bend our heart, and raise our hand and say, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. What a mighty God that we serve. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you can. Welcome this weekend, Faith Promise. Wow, we haven't seen you in a while. It's been two really absolutely packed week, really three weeks, two weekends that we have missed. And uh, wow, we always miss you when Michelle and I are gone. Our mission trip, we were visiting many of our missionaries and it was cut short. As Pastor Matt told you last weekend, my assistant Gloria's husband passed away unexpectedly and we had to rush back to the country and do that funeral, minister to that family. They are they're part of our family. They've been here for 20 solid years, and uh, it rocked our staff like really nothing we've ever experienced. It rocked our volunteers, rocked our tech teams, because Larry was in day one helping build our tech ministry. And I've several guys who come and said, you know, since Larry passed away, I believe I'm going to step back into the tech ministry. I hadn't been serving, and I was there with him. And and so, you know, people built deep relationships with him while they were serving the Lord. And so that's just part of being planted in the house. Well, didn't Matt and Pastor Matt, Pastor Zach, just absolutely kill it the last two weekends? Man, unbelievable. And you know, a sign of the maturity of a church, of a body, is that when the senior pastor's gone, people don't gripe and complain. Used to, people would call and say, is pastor going to be here this week like I'm gone much? But they weren't coming if I wasn't going to be here now. We don't miss a beat. We have a, man, we have a, just a stall of stallions, young adult communicators, and man, we are just super, you know what, our future is so exciting at Faith Promise as we look at the next generation and all that God is doing. Man, I'm so excited about our young adults and our next generation and our students coming up and our kids. It's just a big chunk of who we are. And uh, our, both of our camps are coming up, students and kids, and make sure your kids go. One is going to be a conference here. I'm praying for 1,000 high schoolers and middle schoolers. And then our, amen, because, man, we're raising up another generation. And so, man, get them there. Our kids' camp is in June. Our, our conference is in July. You know, while Michelle and I, one of the places we were at, where we were visiting several missionaries that we support in Madrid. And Madrid, when you say how many Christians, the first number is point. When you talk about the population in Spain, how many evangelical believers there are, the first number is point. Not one, not ten, but point. When the first number is a point, it's really not good. So we have a great opportunity every year. We, we sponsor a Young Life Ministry in Madrid, and, and people are over there. Every year they bring 
They bring Spanish teenagers here for a month, one week of camp and three weeks of, of just to be with Christian homes. We need nine more families. They're, they're all guys. So if you've only got high school girls, we, we don't want you. We want to put... That's a whole other issue. It's another sermon series coming, by the way. It's coming. Don't worry about that. It's coming. But uh, you got guys in, in three weeks in July. You say, I'm going on vacation. Take them with you. I'm serious. Because they're coming. That, and these families really haven't barely even met Christians. And you talk about being able to do world missions from your living room. So if you can, if you can, uh, if you can do that, if you'll email missions at faithpromise.org, Pastor Brad will get in touch with you, and we'll take care of that. Well, I don't know about you, but as I look at the future of Faith Promise, it is so bright, and it's really bright for all of us, unless, if you're listening, say I am, every campus, come on, every campus, the deal is bright for all of us, unless we allow fear to stop us before we ever get started. Hello. I'm uh, here for the uh, interview. frank with you, Mr. Thomas. You are a complete waste of time. This resume is trash. But, Mr. Reynolds... Did you think that we would actually hire you? Did you? Well, I thought maybe... Stop you wasting my time, sir. Get out. And get out now! Mr. Reynolds... Get out! Yes, uh, tell me about your prior work experiences. I'm a very hard worker. I've been working in management now for a few years. I, I even developed training programs. I have a... Mr. Thomas? Mr. Thomas? 
And that sort of means so many of us do that. Before we ever get started in something, we begin to back away from it because we're afraid of what simply might have happened. See, we all have this image that we project, and we all have the image that we protect. We've got this thing inside, and then we begin, we, we have this external thing that we try to present to the world where Jacob did the same thing. Now, Jacob was not afraid because Jacob was, as his name says, Jacob was a deceiver, a supplanter. He was a heel grabber. He was about to climb over his brother, climb over anybody to get what he wanted. And so we're spending five weekends with Jacob. We could really spend five months with this guy because he is one of the major characters in the book of Genesis, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of who? God of Jacob. And so that's the deal. We've already had two unbelievable messages uh, from Pastor Zach and Pastor Matt about that, and we're going to go even farther. Really, we got the idea from the series from a sister church that did it, and Elevation Church, and they spent some time with Jacob, and that's sort of where the the foundation for this series came from. But I love Jacob. But tell you why I love Jacob, because Jacob was jacked up. Man, that guy was messed up. And really, I would challenge you to go back and spend some time really meditating through these, the chapters of Genesis in his life because this dude's trunk was full of junk, and yet God still used him. That gives me hope. Or y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. If you think you're messed up and God can't use you, you've never read the Bible because this is a list of people that were jacked up. And Jacob, whose name was a deceiver, he was one of the most jacked up guys. So we're going we're gonna to pick him up this weekend where we're going to sort of lock in, if you've got your Bible, in Genesis chapter 35. Now, at Genesis chapter 35, Jacob is almost 100 years old. Now, let me tell you, if you're one of our senior saints and you think it's time for you to retire from serving God, there's nobody near 100 in our family. Are you with me? And so, man, listen, God's, if you're not dead, then God's not done with you. And so we are actually right now building an army of seniors that have retired and putting them to work in Jesus' name. Amen. How much golf and fishing can you do? And so we're, we're, we're working, Pastor Chuck is working with a, a lead team of really, man, highly gifted seniors that are retired, and we're, we're putting a team together. I, I am so excited about it, because, man, if you are, if you're retired, God, we have plans for you. Man, listen, you don't need to pray. We have a good plan for your life, you know. And so we just believe that God wants to do a great thing. Now, Jacob in chapter 35, the guy's been blessed, he's been burdened, he's been burned, and he's got some battle scars. Y'all, y'all ever feel like that? And so he's lived a hundred years, and he decides it's, it's time to move. He Remember, he ran from his brother. We're going to look at a little bit of that in chapter 28, where he goes to Bethel. Then he moves to Haran, and he meets his uncle Laban, and then he marries two sisters. Can you imagine marrying sisters? That's the message next weekend. You don't want, listen, man, you don't want to miss this. You know, sisters. And so he marries these sisters, and then he actually gets each of their handmaidens. So he's really got four wives. He's got a bunch of kids. And he's going back home in chapter 35. And as he gets ready to go back to the promised land, he decides it's time to get some stuff together. Matter of fact, he, he decides that it's time to bury some of the past. 
We pick it up at Genesis 35.1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and live there and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and all who were with him, Put away the foreign. Now, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of who? What's he doing with idols at his house? You know what I'm talking about? Isn't it easy to slip away and to slip into apathy? Isn't it easy to just wake up one day and realize that you've distanced yourself from God and that you've gone down a long road and you've gone the wrong way? And he realizes that because God said, hey, I want you to go back to Bethel and, and get ready. So first thing he does, because he knows, hey, if we're going to meet with God, i got to do some business. i got to bury some things. I've got to get rid of some things. And God's going to speak to some people this weekend, all 6,000 or more of us this weekend, and say, maybe some things we need to punt. The gods which are among you, purify yourselves, change your garments, and let us arise and go to Bethel. I just, just don't, shouldn't we just live pure and holy? But we don't always do it, do we? And I'll make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress. See, when he met God the first time, he was running from his brother, scared to death, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods, all their idols, all, and, and uh, that they had the rings which they're in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem as they journeyed. Now, but on his way, he dumped all the junk, and he's moving, heading to Bethel. There was a great terror upon the cities which were around them. Now, Jacob was going, and Jacob left without Jack, and he's coming back a multimillionaire. And he's in a very dangerous place with all of his herds and flocks and all of his kids. But this is what God did while he was bringing him back to Bethel. He, the cities which were around him, everybody was terrified. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people were with him. And he built a what? An altar there and called the place El Bethel. El is God, Bethel, God, the house of God. Bethel, I love, and you know, I came from a church, the church that we came from, Michelle and I, my family, was Bethel, the house of God. God, the house of God. We're going to the house of God. Man, we've been out here wondering, but we're going to the house of God. Amen? Man, we're getting back to the place where God dwells because there God revealed himself to me when, we, when, when he fled from his brother. So, again, that's Genesis 28. We're going to look at that in a little bit, but we really want to, really want to hammer it here because, listen, if you're listening, say I am. If you're in transition or you're in trouble, this message is for you. And you say, well, good, I get a break. I'm not in transition. What I've learned, life is transition. Isn't it? I mean, you got little kids. or I mean, it's just, you go from school. I mean, it's just life is a transition. You get older, things change. Things are always changing. We don't want them to change, but they change. And so life is all about a transition. Would y'all agree with that? And so the question I want us to think about this, this week is this. How can, we be, how can we be content without becoming complacent? How can we be content in where God has us without, without becoming complacent and stopping pursuing God and moving forward to all the things? Because he could have stayed in Haran where his uncle was. He could have stayed there. He could have, it could, have be, it could have spent his whole life there. But no, he goes back. He was comfortable there in Haran, but God said, go back to Bethel, back to the house of God. 
Now, if you're like me, and many of you are, or it's hard to stay here and not be like this, man, I am, I am driven. I, I'm driven almost to the point of destination disease. You know what I'm talking about? Going. Because I'm driven, I'm a terrible celebrator. All the staff wants to stop and celebrate a milestone, and I'm already, come on, well, well, yeah, we go, yeah, great. Come on, let's go. There's another hill. There's another mountain. There's another thousand. There's another campus, man. Come on, let's go. Let's go. And, and if you're not careful, and this is what I really want to watch, this reason I want to, this reason I go back to Bethel all the time, and that is if you're not careful, life will always be about there. Does that make sense? I, okay, I'm gonna get. Life's gonna be better when I get married. It's gonna be better when I have kids. It's gonna be when the kids move out. It's gonna be better when I get the raise. It's gonna be better when I get the new car. It's gonna be better when we move. It's gonna be better somewhere out there. Does that make sense? And if we're if we're careful, if we're not careful, we'll live our whole life looking at there. We'll never know when we get there. We'll be on the beach in Tahiti and not realize we've arrived because. We're always about there. Does that make sense? It's just going to be better. You know what? There's going to be great, but here, it's rocking pretty solid. Here's awesome. Here's a great deal. But So we want to be content here, but we don't want to get complacent here. Does that make sense? So how do we manage that? Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. So how are we content and not stay where we are? The first time that Jacob went to Bethel, he didn't have anything. He didn't have, I mean, he had no money, nothing. He had ripped his brother off twice. His brother said, I'm killing you. His mother sent him to her brother Laban's house, which he's never been to. He's been, you know, he's gone. He's running, all that kind of stuff. And Jacob was in the middle of nowhere. And guess what happened in the middle of nowhere? God met Jacob. And you may feel like, Pastor, you don't understand. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I got good news. God shows up in the middle of nowhere. Amen. He shows up right there in the middle of it. You say, I'm pretty sure God doesn't even know where I am. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, I assure you he does. And that's what God does. God can meet you in the middle of your nowhere. And so what we need to do, or what well, this is just a discipline that I work on, and really it's what Jacob was doing, and that is to remember where we were when God found us. So you didn't find God, because God's never been lost. God found you because you were lost. Some of you have yet to allow God to find you. But many of us have been found, and what we need to do is remember where we were when he found us. Because what I do is I look back at where he found me, how low I was, and how far he's brought me. Man, it brings great worship out of my heart and soul. In Genesis chapter 32, verse 10, I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and all of the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant, for with my staff only. Listen, you think you don't have much? All he had was a stick. You got some stuff, don't you? Come on. You may be in your car, but there's some stuff in your car. And you have a car. He had a stick. That's broke when I checked last time. A stick. <laughs> when I crossed this Jordan, only had a stick. And now I've become two companies. Now I'm wealthy. Look at it. I've got all these kids and I got all these, I got these sister wives. Man, they just, and so, 
I mean, that's next weekend, man. You can't, you do not want to miss next weekend. And so these sister wives deal. He's got all this going on. Now, before that, he's, you know, he's at Bethel. He doesn't know what's Bethel, and God shows up. And we saw in, in, in chapter 28, verse 10, then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He's, he's on this journey, and God shows up when he's in transition. In the middle of nowhere, running from his, running from his big brother, God shows up. And in chapter 28, verse 11, he came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it under his head. You have an ergonomic, perfect pillow on your bed. Come on. You've, and you went through four or five to get that one that works, right? He used a rock. Come on, man. We are some wealthy people. A rock. A rock. I would be paralyzed from the neck down if I slept with a rock as a pillow. <laughs> when we go to Michelle and I travel, and there's only two pillows in the hotel room, and I have to have two. And I said, Michelle, you have a choice. You can sleep really close to me in the two pillows. <laughs> you can do without, because I'll be crippled. I just got a rock and lay down in that place. Now, the place that he shows up is Luz. This place is formerly known as Luz. You ever had a layover in Luz? This is what he was doing. He's on his way. It gets late. He, he gets a rock. He finds some, you know, something, leaves, and he makes a bed, and he sleeps there, and he's in Luz. See, many of us live our life like we're on a layover at Luz. Well, this place stinks, but it's going to be good down the road. You know what I'm talking about? That's destination disease. He, he, he's just, and there he's in that layover with Luz in the middle of nowhere, and God gives Jacob one of the greatest revelations in all of the Bible. Chapter 28, 12, and 13, he had a dream, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with this top reaching to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Man, could we preach a sermon right here, stop and camp out on some business of God, sending his messengers up and down, taking care of us? We could camp out right here. And behold, the angel of the Lord above it said, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Man, God shows up. He sees this ladder, Jacob's ladder, angels. And on top of the ladder, what does he see? God. You know, man, we, there's another sermon. God is over your problems. God's over you when you're nowhere. God knows where you are. He's over. He's above. He's exalted. He has all authority and all power and all glory and all ability. Our God is awesome. And he tells him, he gives him this vision, and God says, hey, by the way, the place where you're laying, you see that rock pillar? I'm going to give all this to you. I gave it to your grandfather Abraham. I gave it to your father Isaac, and I'm giving it to you. Not only you, but the descendants are going to be more than the stars of the sky. See, I'm going to bless you so that you'll be a blessing. God never blesses us for us to hoard the blessings. Does that make sense? Never. That's just not what God does. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. And there's another generation coming. And, there's a, and I know we talk a ton about the next generation here, but we're not, listen, seniors, you're not done. Amen? And so our senior, listen, man, there wouldn't be a church if those that had gone before us had not laid down the, uh, had not given us a Bible, had not built some churches. You know what I'm talking about? 
we owe a debt that had gone before us. And he said, hey, Jacob, I'm going I'm to raise up. I'm going to raise up an, a nation from you. He says in verse 16 of chapter 28, then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I what? I didn't know it. You know what I, how, what I pray a lot of times? I said, God, thank you for what you did. I never noticed. Because I believe we get to have one of the first things he's going to do is show us all the things he did for us we never noticed. Surely the Lord is in this place and we never noticed. Surely the Lord protected us from car wrecks and we never noticed. Surely the Lord protected us. Surely God moved for us. Surely God did all these things and we never even noticed. Get, this is the house of God, El Bethel. God lives here. His ladder is here. And I did not even know it. Can't we be spiritually blind? In my quiet time, I say, God, break the dim mirror. D-I-M. Don't get freaking out. The dim mirror. Because Apostle Paul said, we see, the, we see through a mirror dimly. I mean, I want to see God. I want to see the angels of God. I want to see the warfare that's raging around us. Are y'all with me? And so, man, Jacob said, God's here, and I didn't even know it. In verse 17 and 18, he was afraid and said, how awesome is this? Well, that's an understatement of the century. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, Bethel. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and he poured oil out on its top. He received God's presence. He received God's promise. And the first thing he did was built an altar and pour out the oil. The oil represented in the Old Testament, the presence of God. In the New Testament, the spirit of God. When we know what people of oil, we are, that represents the spirit of God. And man, he is there and he builds an altar to worship God. Now up to this point in the Bible game, all of Jacob's life has been about Jacob. Are you with me? He's already tricked his brother out of the birthrights, got millions of dollars for a bowl of beans. Well, what a deal for Jacob. Stunk to be Esau because he gave up everything. Man, if you missed Matt, Pastor Matt's message last week about selling your birthright for a bowl of beans, come on, man. You need to get online and hear it because it's unbelievable. In verse 19 of chapter 28, by the way, we're getting to chapter 35. Just hold your, hold your horses. It's coming. Then he called the name of that place Bethel. He named it Bethel. However, previously, the name of the place had been what? Luz. My layover was in Luz. I didn't know, man. I thought it was Luz. I thought I was in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know I was in the house of God. I didn't know God was there. I didn't know God was going to speak to me and bless me. There's no telling when God's going to show up. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And he showed up for Jacob, a deceiver, and a, plant, and a, and a schemer. So now, 21 years later, He's gone to Haran. He's got sister wives. He's got all that going on. He's got all these kids. He's got all these flocks and all these herds and all these services. He's a multi-millionaire. And 21 years later, he's heading back to Bethel. Folks, we need to go back to Bethel on a regular place. And Bethel for Jacob was a place, but for us, it doesn't have to be a place. It's a space on my back deck. It's my favorite place on the planet. It's where I go back to Bethel every single morning. Are y'all with me? Man, I go, that's where I was at this morning. Man, I go every morning. I'm going back to Bethel. We've got to go because, see, he went back to Bethel because God called him. It was also his, the greatest encounter he had ever had with God, his deepest encounter. The first time he went to Bethel alone, now he's bringing his family. Listen, man, don't be hooking up with God and not bringing your family. Now, don't leave your family out. Come on. Make sure they're going. So he, he takes his family to the place where he had met God. 
Let me give you just some things that that Bethel represents. Are you with me? If you're a note taker, let me give you three things. I've got four. I really like to get to all four. Number one, Bethel is a place of remembrance. It's when we remember. It's It's when we remember. Listen, you should remember how you were when God found you. Y'all remember that? See, I, I remember how I was and God found me, and I have seen God make a way. And I remember what it feels like to be lost. One of the things that gets me out of bed and drives me to keep pushing us to, to never be complacent as a church, to keep winning people, because I remember how lonely and empty I was before Jesus. Anybody remember that? And I remembered. I'm grateful for salvation. All the way through the Bible, by the way, we are called and we are commissioned to remember. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the miracles. Remember what God did. Remember how God moved. Again, I still remember my life without Jesus. I remember the miracles. I remember what God has done. I remember the taste of salvation. I remember what forgiveness of all my sins felt like. I remember the first time I was filled with the Spirit of God in a hotel room. I mean, when God flooded that place and flooded my heart, I mean, it was the most unbelievable experience I had ever had. I remember the things that God has done, and I rejoice. Because when you remember what God, where He found you and what God has done, it's a cause to worship and celebrate, didn't it? Are y'all with me? See, listen, you want to, now I want you to don't, this, this is not just a sermon. I want you to listen. This is how you encourage yourself in the Lord. When you hit the wall, when all hell breaks loose, when circumstances go caustic, when things begin to fall apart in your life, are y'all with me? That's when you've got to say, I remember, God. That's what, that's what the psalmist said. I remember the good things you've done. I remember that joy comes in the morning. I know that, that sorrow lasts for the nighttime. I know this is bad, God, but I know you're a good God, and I know it's going to get better. I know that you're going to move. I believe, and you've got to strengthen yourself like King David did in the Lord. Does that make sense? We do it by going back to Bethel. I look at Michelle, my sweet, wonderful wife, and I remember getting married. And I remember the sacrifices that she and I made for me to go to college and then go to seminary. And I remember giving away boats, giving away cars, and, and remember being broke and then have kids and being so poor we couldn't pay attention. But never did Michelle ever once gripe about sacrifice. Never did she one time complain about being in Memphis with no family and no friends and raising three kids, two of which needed to be heavily medicated on a daily basis. <laughs> Can you imagine Micah Stevens as an eight-year-old? The only thing that would equate would be the Tasmanian devil. He woke up, and Micah didn't go to bed. He passed out somewhere later that night. I'm not kidding. And poor Michelle, no friends, no daycare. We were poor. She, she didn't have a car. There was no cell phones in that day. I mean, come on, we are talking about the dark ages. I leave at 7 in the morning, come back at midnight. And so I look at her, I remember all that we've been through. And we were glad to sacrifice for God. No promise that we'd ever be where we are. We had no idea how God would bless us. We had no idea what God would do. We had no idea. I look back to Iroquois 19 years ago. And the founders of this church, the people that sacrificed and believed and gave. I remember moving from Iroquois to the mall and being in three locations before multi-site had been invented. We didn't even know we were. We didn't even know we were innovators. We didn't even know. We're just trying to reach people. 
And I remember moving to this mountain when we had the first small building up here on Pellissippi. When we were one campus, I remember moving up here and people saying, hey, you know what, we're, we may not make it. We, if we don't take more money, we, we may not make it. I said, we're going to roll the dice. We're going to roll the dice. I said, all right, Pastor, we're going to follow you. And I look back and see how God has moved. I remember breaking 500 in attendance and 1,000 and 5,000. I remember baptisms. You know what? It won't be long. Either the end of this year or next year, we'll baptize our 5,000th person as a church. I see the Gwaltney sitting in this service. Richard helped us build buildings. And Carolyn was on our first leadership team. And I look back, man. Wow, I look back at when we were at one campus, one location, then five services, and then two locations, and then three locations, and five locations, and six, and then Lenore City's coming, we'll be firing back up UT, and we'll be in every county around us, and listen, I just strengthened myself in the Lord, I remember, I go back to Bethel and remember what our God has done, are y'all with me, anybody with me, man, I, listen, I watch, I've watched people grow. I watch people who were children when we came now who are staff members. I watch people who, man, were lost and now are saved. I watch people who never did anything now who are leaders. People never gave a dime who now are, are major givers to God and the vision. I remember the first tech team and Leah Petrowski. And I remember. He's our video guy. And I remember working tirelessly. One of the reasons our church is where we are is because we've had saints like Larry Petrowski serve for 20 years. God in this house. Amen. Man, it is not the, it's not the gifting. It's not the gifting of a few. It's the sacrifice of the many. That's the deal. I look back to moving to Knoxville. And man, Michelle and the kids did not want to come. Drug him, kicking and screaming. Michelle didn't, wouldn't make any friends. Micah packed his little backpack every day and went to the front door. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going home. I said, we live here. He said, no, Dad, you live here. I'm going to Louisiana. And he would walk to the end of the street, and he would sit down on the corner, and he would cry. And my kids were unhappy, and Michelle was unhappy. And I look back, and I remember, and I look at now. I look at Micah, our creative director writing movies and writing our dramas and, man, creating experiences. I look at Zach. Man, who, you know, I, they didn't think he was going to get out of high school. <laughs> a global campus pastor winning students by the scads. Other churches coming to us to learn how to do student ministry. I remember. I remember. Man, I see God's, I look back and I see God's fingerprints everywhere. I remember all that God has done. Are y'all with me? I remember. I look at thousands of people that have been saved and planted in this house and when God showed up nowhere, I remember when the first time we met on this mountain, we had 10, 10 deep fried turkeys, a couchon delay, a whole pig, and 300 pounds of crawfish boiled. Man, we, we started right. <laughs> and we were in the middle of nowhere, and God showed up on this mountain. And then God showed up at Blunt, and then God showed up at North, and then God showed up at Anderson, God showed up at Campbell, and he's showing up on our internet campus, and he's going to show back up at UT, and he's showing up right now building the, building the group that's going, to, that's going to be leading the launch for our North City campus. He's in this place. He's in this place. He's in this place. <clears throat> in chapter 28, Jacob was running. In chapter 35, he was limping. 
It's a place of remembrance. Number two, Bethel. I really got to hurry. It's a place of revelation. Chapter 35, verse 11. Let us arise and get up to Bethel. He's talking to his family. And I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. See, when he came to Bethel the first time, his first experience of the presence of God, man, he was, it, 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 was, it was just him making deals with God. In verse 35, he realized that, listen, Bethel is not just the place that God was where I met him. God's been with me everywhere I've gone. He is Emmanuel, God with us. His spirit has dwelt with me. He's been there. He met with me in the middle of nowhere, and he's gone with me everywhere I've gone. Even if you're nowhere, even if you're out in the wilderness, even if spiritually you are so far out, you are not alone. We love you, and God loves you, and he wants to bring you back to Bethel, back to a place of love, back to a place of acceptance, back to a place of fullness. It's a place of revelation. Then number three, it's a place of response. Let me just, I'm going to throw number four, and I'm going to come back to, to number, to, to that right there. Let me give you a fourth one. Bethel's a place of removal. Because remember, they got rid of all their foreign gods. Remember that? They got clean. They got right to come in the presence of God. See, in, in chapter 28, he was making deals with God. In chapter 28, 20, this is what he tells God. Then Jacob made a vow. This is 28. This is the first time. Remember, he only had a stick. Didn't have a penny, a pence. If God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I, that I take and will give me food and, and eat and to eat and garments to wear, if he'll give me all this stuff, he goes on, the next verse said, then I'll give him a tenth of everything I make. See, he was making deals with God because that's what Jacob was. He was a supplanter. He was a deal maker. He was making deals with God. See, listen, we don't tithe so we make a deal with God. We tithe because of obedience and love of God and care on the vision. Amen? And, that's a, and listen, by the way, I, hey, I missed Mother's Day, my, my summer giving talk. And I don't have time right now to talk about taking your tithe to the beach. And what's going to happen to those smorgasbords that you eat when you spend your tithe of that? You're going to get sand fleas, sunburn. It's going to be terrible. Amen. Let me just go ahead right now. And so, and that's the deal. And, and I've not mentioned money in eight weeks. Well, all he talks about is money. Eight weeks. Money just bothers you because you're not obedient to God with money. Come on. Are you? My sister wife, here we go. And so, you know, I haven't said anything. And man, the offer, we're, we're ahead of budget. But man, we had summer, people just started taking their tie to the beach. Come on, let's be faithful. And so, see, Bethel, when we go back to Bethel, it's a place of response. The first time he was making deals, the second time he was broken and he was blessed and he builds an altar. That's why he went. He went to set up an altar to meet with God. Altars are places of sacrifice. It's a place of response. Listen, Romans 12.1 says this. I be, therefore, I beg you, therefore, brethren, I urge you, I beseech you, I beg you, because by the what? Because God is so good. Was God good to Jacob? Yeah. Is God good to you? Yeah. Because God is so good, I'm begging you to present your bodies as a living and holy 
acceptable to God, which is your reasonable or your spiritual service or your proper response to God. All through my Bible, my quiet time Bible, it says right response, wrong response. I read what somebody said and it's, well, you blew that one, or right response or wrong response. See, going back to Bethel is a place of response unto God. Are you with me? So just go ahead and stand. Every campus, come on, right now, north and blind. Just go ahead and stand. You know what? If you're able, raising your hands is a, is, a, is, a, is a posture of sacrifice. If you can, would you just lift your hands? Man, let's surrender. Some of you for the first time and some of you for the hundredth time. But let's build an altar this weekend. Come on, at every campus this morning, let's build an altar. And right now, we're going to, for those of you that have never surrendered, right now, we're going to pray with you. If you're ready to have Jesus into your heart and be your Lord, we're going to pray pray with you right now. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned and I'm sorry. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. By faith, I will live for you in Jesus' name. Now the rest of us, would you just say, hey God, I surrender fresh and new. Everything. All I am. Romans 12.1. I I give it to you. Take my life and use it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, somebody give him some praise in the house. Woo! Woo, come on. Come on. And when you go back to Bethel, there's a response. It's worship. Give him one more shout. Come on, give him one more. And when you go back, he's so good. He is so good. Woo, stay up. Stay standing. I'm so out of time. Poor dumb, the kids. People go kill me. But I've been gone for two weeks, and, man, I got to get my preach on. Come on. Somebody. So this is the deal. If you gave your heart to Jesus right then, would you fill your communication card and take it to the put an offering box or take it to our Next Steps area? If you've not been to our Next Steps experience, if you would, it's the second weekend every month, go and find out how to get planted in this house. Our, our pastors are going to be down front, so prayer people to pray with you. Listen, no filter. Man, we're going to live a life that we are going to be, that we are going to be content where we are, but we're not going to be complacent. And we're going to let what God's put in come out. No filter. Amen. Amen. So, man, listen, I love you. Apologize to the kids' ministries uh, for me, if you would. Internet, there you can go to the chat room, or you can fill the card out right there. Click right there if they moved it. I'm so sorry. I'm technologically really backward, but last time it was right there. And so, has it been good to be in the house of God? We love you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. <laughs>